Hi, this is Rich with the Diesel Performance Podcast. This is audio from a video that we've posted on both Facebook and YouTube. I wanted to let you know that because during this episode, they will be referring to specific things, talking about what they look like. So if you're curious, just switch over to Facebook or YouTube and check out the video. Thanks again for listening. We actually just got to see the L5P run at full tilt on the engine dyno. It was so cool to see it make 485 horsepower. Maybe mm -hmm. one of the first group of guys to actually see this thing run yeah, for that period of time. To see that it power. run and to see the analytics on it, to see how, I mean, it, the thing's not even working. You know, 20, 21 air fuel ratio, right. not even 30 pounds of boost. I mean, not even 800 degrees is temps. Exactly. GM's got 500 horse in this thing, no problem. Easily, easily. Now that we know we got a lot more on the table, we got to see it run, we got to hear it run, let's go take a look at this thing broken down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Hey guys, we're over in the engine room at Banks Engineering. Nick and I are really excited to go through some of the actual hard parts and the differences from the L5P to the LML. Yep. An awesome facility because Gail has it all broken out for us. So I think, gentlemen, we're going to start with the turbochargers. Uh, we have an LML turbocharger and an L5P turbocharger. Gail, right away, I'm not the tech guy, but I can see a few differences right off the bat. Walk me through what we're dealing with here. Well, basically, they're both variable geometry turbochargers. The old one is a Garrett, and the new one is a Borg Warner. This guy's been around a He's long time. He's been around a long time. In various sizes and shapes. And I think it's cool. Bring it forward a little yeah. bit and show, because this is... Yeah, so One piece. essentially the uh, control of the geometry here is oil pressure. Yep. The control of the geometry here is motor. So this is quicker than that. And I would venture to guess maybe less failure prone. Like a, it's, it, it's, it's a pretty it's rugged a piece. Unit. Yeah, it's a rugged. Yeah. 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 Being the Borg Warner guy, it's. Borg stuff is good, Garrett stuff is good. True, true. But what we've got here is more compressor. This is a, a much higher use of EGR that every year we, we got yep. more and more. Yep. So both turbochargers are intended for EGR. In other, word, in other words, the trim of the turbine uh, is tighter than you might want to run on a performance turbo. Okay. Garrett guys have enlarged tur tur turbos here, I guess it'll be up to us to come up with something and working with Borg for this. Yeah, or maybe they'll do it on their own. Uh, it's all the, turbo, the turbo's farther <laughs> forward on the engine on the L5P. But the up pipes are very similar to everything previous. So this mounts in the valley, the turbocharger has a more conventional four bolt pattern. They put a couple of pin, pins to align it properly. Turbo does not sit square to the engine and it's slightly canted. Right. To make their uh, clearance work, this is the oil air separator, oil fill point that's on the rocker cover. Uh, this is very cool in that boost air drives the oil back into the valve cover. Really? So you get virtually nothing coming out of the breather. Yeah, so people who are running Duramaxes, typically you look at the intercooler hoses and you're seeing those intercooler hoses, mm -hmm. you're seeing the oil around the discharge of the turbo, exactly. you're seeing the oil around the intercooler. With this, no more. 
And consequently, the oil mileage is better. Okay. In other words, you're not losing oil at the same rate okay. and burning it in the engine. They did a couple of iterations of this. This is a, quite yeah. a piece. Centrifugal separation, uh, beautiful thing, but counting, uh, canting the turbo helps clear all the stuff on, okay. the, on that valve cover. So let's talk about the basics of the turbocharger mm -hmm. for, the, for the guys who are buying, you know, 445 horsepower up from 397. Exactly. Clearly there's a bigger compressor wheel in the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, have you guys measured the turbine? Have we measured the wheel? Yeah, the no, turbine we wheel. haven't. Okay. No, we I haven't. I would assume it's bigger, but that's it'd be interesting to see yeah, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, that's an assumption I'm wondering about just talking about it here. And our development, I mean, you could do a visual. Yeah, it, it doesn't look much different. <laughs> if anything, this might be a bit bigger. Yeah. Right. I mean, you've, yeah. Got, you've got higher mass flow going into the intake manifold, so you've got a lot more coming out the exhaust side. Yeah, It's interesting the flange size too, because on the L5P they have that big DOC filter, or DOC, sorry, uh, right off the turbocharger. Mm -hmm. You can clearly see the downpipe flanges. Yeah, this is uh, pretty close to five inch. There's a cat right here. Right. So they push the turbo forward and put a cat converter right off the turbocharger to get mm -hmm. light off real yep. quick. Yep, smart move, keeping all the heat in one. Yeah, yeah. their emissions work is profound on this engine. It's really good. Yeah. And they plan for the future. So as <laughs> we'll find out in the dyno room how far we can go with this turbo. I'm very we'll do excited. that today. Yeah. Uh, so, so we'll know. I'm afraid of turbine choke. In other, in other words, you get to a point where the velocity somewhere in the housing or in the wheel goes sonic. In right. other words, it Right, supersonic. Yeah, and th then pushing with more here might not get you more out of the compressor. Right. So we're going right. to explore that a little bit. Steel. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going into turbine choke. You're done. You know, yeah. you can push it further, but you're going to damage the engine. Well, exciting thing I see for the aftermarket, I think, too, is this two-piece setup. You know, a long time in the aftermarket, we've seen these pedestals, oh, right? It's, yeah, it's begging um, for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's designed for it. I mm -hmm. think it makes a... Uh, you know, make swapping the turbocharger certainly Absolutely. a lot easier. Absolutely. If that's something, you know, we're gonna get, gonna get into down the road. I don't know, man. I say looking, if, like. Looking, <laughs> looking at a fully dressed L5P, swapping the turbocharger looks like a nightmare. It looks like work, but hey, you know, well, for duty us, calls, it, Paul. <laughs> we look at it differently in that, yeah, we might come up with a stock position setup. We're definitely gonna do a different pedestal. Yeah. Uh, because we're not constrained by all the other stuff. In your military so, program you're talking about? Uh-uh. In my street program. In your street not program. for production pickup truck okay. 2017, but for any kind of special thing you're building. Okay. To what be clear, non-emissions Yeah, trucks. our program has always been, we've got a commercial off-the-shelf engine. Uh, with the LMM, the LML, and now the L5P. But we never pushed it. Yeah. This engine has got so much going for it, and we've been able to do our own lower crankcase, our own oil pan, our own windage control. So packaging-wise. Right. The engine comes to us with our stuff installed in the factory as a long engine. Yeah. And then we can dress them for marine, we can dress them for your hot rod. Right. You want to put one in the Chevelle? Yeah. You know, I mean, what do you want to do? So depending on what the application, the turbocharger Motorsports can be adjusted. as well. Yeah. 
So we're going to be doing versions of the L5P for everything. I like it. I yeah, like awesome. it. Well, we got the, so the turbocharger stuff situated, right? We got air in the motor. You're an airflow guy. Yeah. You love airflow. But we need to light it off with something, too. And there's a big change on the injector Indeed. side for the L5P. Indeed. It's a sea change because GM has gone from Bosch to Denso. And it used to be Denso injectors were a lot like Bosch. Right. It was remarkable how close they were. No more. Uh, this is a whole new uh, avenue. And if you take one of these apart, apart uh, we've got a program going to update these, modify them. Okay. But we've already got about 20% percent more injector flow just factory on us. the l5p you mean yeah okay wow. so yeah. just go from the lml there, there's more flow, flow capability here than there is here okay at this a certain injector on this is an lmm we don't we don't do the you guys don't have any piezo injectors no, program no. right no our our lml engines have a heads machine for the lmm style injector okay uh, solenoid so, yeah. Guys in the aftermarket, Our, though, or yeah. guys who are modifying their trucks should know the LML has a piezo crystal injector, which has a totally different control system. The Denso is now back to solenoid injector style. Right. So we're using right. a, a different control system than the LML used. Essentially, the older technology. The piezo was a big change mm -hmm. uh, for a number of uh, injection events. But now uh, Denso says they can do five or seven or whatever with a exactly. solenoid injector. So here we go. Well, I think it's interesting too, because when we went to the LMLs, we rated those stock injectors for a higher peak power. I don't know if they necessarily were flowing more fuel or if there's just a difference. The aftermarket in took a long time to figure out the, the delay between injection on time and injector open time. Right. There was a big difference on a piezo crystal injector between how long you energize it and how long mm -hmm. it's actually on. And how many times you can open and close it in rate shape. Yep. Yeah. So the, the I drive love signals, the, totally different. Truthfully, I love the PSL. Yeah. And my EC, ECU is solenoid. That's the, that's the challenge, right? <laughs> yeah. is, is there's no motorsports ECU designed for piezo injector that well, I know of. Bosch might. Uh, you know, their $8,000 or whatever it costs uh, ECU, I think, has a piezo capability. We'll see. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know anybody running it, a piezo <laughs> injector, right? Because anybody in a standalone unit from Bosch is well, running. Huge horsepower, yeah. yeah or there are guys. Running, there right? are guys running PSO system with a 3.3 pump. That we have a lot of. Very common. Yeah, the yeah, 3.4 being somewhat unreliable. Right. I'm told. Yeah, CPE yeah. 4.2 on those. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of known I'm sorry, failures. 4.2. Yeah, a lot of known failures out there with the CP 4.2. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it on the yeah. podcast before. Yeah. Honestly, there are some things, you can go back and watch some of our previous episodes or listen to some of our previous episodes about running a lift pump and some other things you can do to help those be a little more reliable. But if we're talking about power application, now we've been through the turbo, the injectors, like you said, the mm -hmm. pump is really the heart of it, right? Because if we don't have enough pump, everything else doesn't matter. And if we don't have enough, it's not just not enough, right? It's the pump is the first thing in the system. So right. if the pump fails, you got a lot of expensive parts downstream mm -hmm. and they're all gonna eat that eat that metal, eat, the, eat that carnage. So, you know, the CP4.2 always had a bad name in the aftermarket because when it fails, it's a really expensive day. Yeah, yeah. you might be buying injectors too. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it looks so. like GM took Q on that, um, or, you know, well, <laughs> changed to Denso, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Something different. The whole thing is Denso. Uh, we have a direct relationship with Denso as well as Bosch, so uh, it's good with, with us. Yeah. Basically, 
comparing the 3.3 to the Denso, these things out of the box make about 1,087 cubic mils per rev. And what you mean by that is every time it spins over, that's the mm -hmm. fuel quantity that it It's its pumps. maximum. Right. Uh, of that, 20% is re returned to the tank. Okay. These have a, about a 20% return proportion. You can hot rod one of these, poke and stroke, get around 1,500 per rev. Uh, so, but when you get to 1,500, you back out 300 as return, return. and you're at 1,200. Sure, All right. Okay, with the Denso, we've got a situation where we're 1,200 going in and about 10% return. Okay. You, just screwing around, it looks like the Denso can go to 15, 1550. Uh, and change in cam, maybe 17, 1750, somewhere in there. So we're talking 15, 16, 1700 horsepower worth of fuel well, with a stroker you're, you're, setup. You're, yeah, your you're return fuel being only 10%. Yeah. And there's one more secret part of this deal. 2,500 par. I like that. Really? I like that. Yes. This thing will go to 2,500 bar. Okay. So okay. there's overhead to get more horsepower, to meet emissions, to get the finer particulate size yes. that you get with higher fuel pressure. With higher fuel pressure, but if you're into power, that's a good thing there. Absolutely. As well. So, I mean, that's a, I'm so if you've glad got a you dynamic range, you, you know, from yeah. idle fuel to 2,500 bar. You can run a smaller injector, maintain right. good, great drivability. You can go higher fuel pressure under heavy load and then it, it essentially changes the injector size there, dynamically. There's a rail pressure sensor out there. Uh, same metric thread on the L5P as on the earlier stuff that goes to 2,700 bar. Yeah, we've been using that, Gail. Mm -hmm. We've yeah. been using that. That's so a you nice know. piece. Yeah. yeah. And more guys used to just Cap it up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Turn that so, coat off. Right. Good way to go boom. No, but, but now, that, now that we're starting to develop this, this really cutting edge technology mm -hmm. and staying on top of it in the aftermarket world, I think a lot of guys still have no idea what you two are talking about with 1,300, 1,100, or 1,700 the milliliters per The higher the number, the better the person. No, let's, yeah, let's, exactly. dumb, let's yeah. dumb it down. Yeah, so let's, let's it... put this back to horsepower. Okay. Right? Okay. Stock CP3, I know from experience, I can get 600 rear wheel horsepower, 600, pretty 625, average. sure. Right. Well, using one of these stock, we've been over 800 horsepower. Really? Yeah, but we boost the inlet. We, we watch the housing pressure. Okay. And we maintain the housing pressure at the highest possible value by having a variable speed lift pump. So okay. when you supercharge the inlet under boost, as boost goes up, the... the if you will, lift pump pressure goes up. And we, it's something we rigged on the road race program back in 05, uh, the GMC deal that we did. So we've been like 850, somewhere in there, with wow. one of these. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not talking board and stroke. I'm talking about a stock pump. In the, so. <laughs> outside <laughs> of Banks' road race program, <laughs> back in the well, standard. We, we, we do it on the pro stock yeah, truck. In the dinosaur uh, aftermarket, yeah. right. stock pump, 625, right. 10 millimeter pump, you could 800 really, horsepower. Exactly. We ought to make the pump in the controller for the aftermarket. So we're talking, this is it, 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 10 a, millimeter a dual pump. pump. A dual pump setup is way more expensive than this boost thing, you know, the lift pump. 
Right. So anyhow, I'm just throwing that out there. There's, there's two pumps there's on There's a different talk, a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we're making the Denso, we're bringing it home on the Denso. Well, for I'm the, telling you, the, uh, same with, you can enlarge the Denso injectors. The limit of that, uh, we don't know yet. Uh, but there's some machined and not tested yet. Sure. Uh, so this thing's got some legs. I think you might be pushing. Now, we haven't run the boost pump, boost, boosting right. lift pump on this one. We've got to know a lot more about this pump before we do that. But from the get, it, it, from the get go, this has uh, like a, I think it's around a three atmosphere or three bar, like forty to forty-five pound requirement. Oh, so it's got yeah. a lift pump requirement. Yeah. On. Okay. Yeah, it already requires that. So, and they may be varying the speed of that pump in the truck. Right. That I haven't sure. discerned quite yet. So I think. This thing's got some legs as a single pump racing as setup. As a single pump and able to go up on fuel pressure, which exactly. means- Exactly. The only other ca don't need caveat to go to big on injectors. this, the only other thing you gotta watch is pump shaft speed. You know, these kind of go over the edge of the earth at about 4,000 Right, you RPM lose your efficiency pump. on the gear rate or in the, yeah, or in the pump. The pumping itself. The pumping. Yeah. Supercharging helps flatten that out and extend it. Sure. The RPM range. Yeah, By that I here. mean supercharging the lift pump. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of benefits to doing that if, if you're running it in stock position. Same, I hope the same thing happens here. Yeah. Any ideas so, on horsepower? Like where, where do you think, what, what does your gut tell you? Where do you think this will land on horsepower? Assuming this was six without supercharging the inlet on it. If I can spin it enough, I'm thinking we could hit a thousand horsepower with a single pump. That'd be crazy. But you're talking because in a, a belt-driven application and a... Huh? I'm talking about something that might be a bandit street machine. Okay. You know, I don't okay. know. Uh, you, you know, it's... Uh, you've got a lot of emissions. Dale's getting aggressive with us here. <laughs> well, yeah. He wants a thousand horse out of the stock. Well, I'm talking... I'm going to hold you to it, man. <laughs> I'm talking... Put it in a pre-emissions vehicle. Right, but, right, of course. You know, right, yes. And have some fun. Yeah, I uh, get it. Let's take a look at the backside of these things oh, yeah. just for... Just for uh, for grins here, so they both have three. Yeah, this three one. This on one three. has. Uh, you can actually have a vacuum at the fuel inlet with, with this pump, less than atmospheric pressure, yep. or, or, or slightly more, because it's got its own little gear pump on the right, back. Right. So call call that a second lift pump. That that charges the housing and gives it the proper housing pressure. Yeah, well, on an LML, you don't have an electric lift pump. This is. This is the lift pump. It sure is. Right. But when we run them on the, on the dyno, there's a range. We keep, we put pressure to them. If you're going to do any kind of performance. If you listen to the podcast, you know yeah. the pressure. You guys <laughs> are talking about, I'm sure you've talked about putting electric lift yeah. pumps. Yeah. Right. So, and an enlarged in tank uh, pickup. Sump. Yeah. 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 This one doesn't have that. You've got an aggressive pump, you know, the, that's more like a gasoline fuel injection pump. Okay. You know, port fuel injection yep. pump. Yep. Yeah, so, you're talking 40 to 50 PSI. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking our, about. Our lift pumps right. on the fast systems are in the trucks normally. I mean, we don't go over 8 to 11 PSI yeah. maybe mm -hmm. on a stock truck. 10 is where they're set. Yeah. 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 And oh, that's man. the upper limit for that guy. Right. Yeah. You know, you no, don't you can't go more. You push the regulator open. Yeah, you lose control of the... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. So awesome. I think we've covered it. Yeah, I was going to say, so this covers... More flow capability, yep. more rail pressure capability. Some, some, some so, summarize this in one word, right? It's, it's overhead. 
It's, it's it, power overhead. We have, we exactly have power overheads. Yeah, there's lots of I'm going to steal your word. Before, <laughs> but I think, I, think, I think what's going to be our limiter is that guy right there. Well, before we dive into mm -hmm. some of the other engine assembly, I want to know what do you think are going to be some of the weak points that we deal with in the aftermarket world? So as guys are starting to buy L5Ps, mm -hmm. they're starting to look at what's my build list going to be. Right now they call me. I have very little information to give them. Yeah. What, do you, what, is you, what are you suspecting to be some of the failure points that my stock guys run into? Failure points with the L5P. We haven't found it. Uh, the engine is, well, let me put it this way. A guy with decades of diesel experience was the chief engineer. Right. A guy with decades of high performance experience was number two in that group. Okay. So they. This whole. We got 17 thing, years on the Duramax yeah, at this point, too. Plus, so. you've got a, a guy that's second man in that design group who's a racer. <laughs> and you'll see it as we go through this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, uh, it's a very Buy cool thing feet. to have a racer designing a diesel engine. When Ford did their 6.7, the guy who ran that program, and I visited him quite often as they were yeah. developing the engine, and we would talk, and then, and then he'd buy me a bowl of chili. That was the payday. <laughs> he came from Cosworth. Well, Cosworth, what do they do? Yeah. <laughs> Badass racing engine. Right. So you'll see Cosworth elements in a Ford 6.7 V8. It's kind of, a, kind of interesting all, over, all around. Well, let's set up on the, we got the top end of the motor. We got the, we, we've established that it's well built, it's got overhead, it's, it's, it's exciting for the aftermarket. What's not exciting is we still don't have tuning for it, but. We'll get there. C'est la vie. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to move over to the cylinder heads and just round out the top end airflow wise. Oh, sure. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. So we just took it from the top end of the engine with the injectors, the pump, the turbocharger, all the airflow. Right. Right. It, it, there's one thing I learned from you talking to you the last three episodes. It's all about maintaining that airflow through the whole system, through the whole charge air system. No loss. Exactly. Yeah. There's a big change going from the earlier cylinder head to this new cylinder head. It almost makes me see like small block Chevy to LS. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, I'll draw your attention up to the clamshell here. Made a big change here in the plenum size and the clamshell yeah. design in the cylinder head. Talk to me about this, Gail. What's, what's, what, are they, what are they shooting for here? Well, essentially, they got rid of, by moving the turbo forward, yep. you had, had to... The relief move. there. Yeah. The turbo is now here where it, the air used to enter. Right. So they moved to this forward position, yep. which I love. I've got to use that. Cue a shot of the big Yeah, there. well, there's going to be some stuff. <laughs> but basically... Uh, other than that, the cross-section for flow is pretty much, much what it was. On the earlier heads, you know, you, you went in basically in the middle. Or, right here. Yeah. And then you went both directions. These heads have got, if you will, flow inhibitors built into the casting. Kind this this lightens the cast. Oh, is that what that point is? Well, okay. I guess. I mean, that's the only reason I'd do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I'd leave it as is. And a lot of guys machine a little bell mouth radius around the right. ports to help yep. get the air into them. Yep. Uh, and use the stock 
clamshells. Uh, Very common to use the stock clamshell yeah. in pretty much any performance application. Up you, to you see a lot of it, but it really becomes a throttle. Yeah. Any, anything where the restriction is high, I, I call a throttle. It's, Makes sense. There's no butter to fly. It's fixed. So it's choking you. But, yeah. What they've done on the late head, on the L5P, is they've depressed this surface and, and actually taken the mouth of the intake ports deep into here. See, so you have a big cross section and less port distance to the valve. This is a huge change. From a racing standpoint, uh, guys, guys have done billet heads like this, yep. similar to this, I've seen it. So it's not a new idea by any means. Uh, but the performance guy and coolant. The performance <laughs> guy in that engineering group, I can just feel him here. <laughs> yeah. Like, did I get rights for that? Yeah. Or who's, who's paying me it's for this? It's very cool. The exhaust ports also flow a lot better, although they, the outlet looks very similar. Okay. Uh, so, and they've moved the bolts up on the top. Uh, which, which allows us in the aftermarket to... There's an extra head bolt too, isn't there? Like there's, a, there's actually two extra head, two extra bolts. head bolts. Yeah, and those two extra head bolts are right here in this corner and in this corner. So we'll get you close see, up They are not there and yeah. the material's not there. Right. So gives you a, a lot nicer port dynamics into these end ports as well, where the, clam, the clamshell here just ends. Right, well it's usually you know, a nice you, beat You're actually, you're, <laughs> you know, you come down here and then do that. Yeah. Here, you're already turning. In other words, this is... Yeah, the radius is already built into yeah. the head right there. Yeah, and that drops the pressure, kind of helps it into that port. So what so, we're looking for is a really consistent flow to all cylinders and a minimized... Cylinder to cylinder flow, far more equal, even though you're Inlet's entering there. Yeah. Yeah. When we dyno an engine, we put a thermocouple at each exhaust port. Okay. And if you, on the dragster, when we look at the dragster, we have an O2 sensor at each exhaust port. Okay. So, so reason for that obviously is to see, is the output cylinder to cylinder We call consistent. it power balance. Okay. If you get your vibration dampener design correct, you, you're taking the twist out of the crankshaft. Okay. You're absorbing it. Yep. Uh, the if you have a power imbalance, you're putting more into one throw and less into another, sure. and you're inducing twist again. Yep. Makes sense. So you want perfect cylinder to cylinder yeah. fuel and air. And of course, you'll never ever get a perfection at super high flow like this. Well, it's not, I mean, but the diesel head has traditionally been like the peanut port of the industry. Oh, know. You know what I mean? I it's know. been embarrassingly. When, small flow. When we get on the flow bench, this will be kind of cool. One other thing they've done uh, is the, the, the valve spring is, is a conical valve spring or beehive style valve spring. Okay. The spring retainer is smaller, lighter. So I like this because inherently it looks like, hey, I can go to higher RPM. Mm -hmm. What you do is springs start vibrating at a certain frequency. And this takes that sympathetic frequency and spreads it okay. out. Okay. So the spring 
this is this is like NASCAR. Yeah, talk we're talking right some high-end, high yeah. RPM but all stuff I'm, here. All I'm saying this is, this is this is that racer again. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you can or, tell. or his influence, perhaps. Yeah. So they've done some incredibly sexy stuff. Uh, bolt pattern is similar uh, on the intake side, but not identical. So I think I pointed out all the differences uh, in terms of the strength of the cylinder head. I would bet a uh, hundred bucks that this on the fire deck is a stronger cylinder head. Okay. The fire deck meaning this surface right here. Uh, because this engine is a much higher firing pressure design. Yeah, we were talking about that. 20% yeah. higher cylinder pressure peak. Nominally, yeah. This is like 180 plus uh, atmospheres or bar. Yeah. Uh, the earlier one, I think, is in the 160s, okay. somewhere in there. It's up considerably, and that's all I've got to say. So much stronger head casket. Cas if you're going to go racing, this is a hell of a place to, to start. Yeah. Well, again, it looks like they built, built the overhead into the, into the head flow. Exactly. exactly. And, I mean, guys in the diesel industry are going to see that in lower EGTs at higher power levels. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a better run, I mean, a, a stronger and, engine at higher output. As we'll see on the flow bench, th this is way different swirl than this as well. I had, I had some really good discussions with you offline here about the crank and some of the differences. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about the oil assembly and some of the other internal lower end parts. Walk me through what our, what our guys are looking at here. Okay. What do they get into? Yeah. Okay, overhead again. It's a, a much stronger crankshaft. The earlier crankshafts have a smaller pin, crank pin. And part, part of what makes a crank fragile or strong has to do with the, the overlap of the main bearing diameter and the pin diameter. Okay. So that is the earlier design up through LML. This is, is something we've been doing, which we call a big pin. And we've enlarged the pin. Uh, and it's a stroker, but the, the main journal to rod journal overlap, those two circles. Right overlapping each other is part of the power flow through the crankshaft and makes the crankshaft stiffer, Okay. less flexible. Guys break Duramax crankshafts. There's a lot of reasons for that, and that's another discussion. Right. Uh, right there. But what they've done, this help, helps you maintain them. So the earlier rod, the LMM, LML, uh, is a conventional rod, but, but as you go bigger, the section across, this is a plastic model of a rod we've done, the section across the rod gets so big, if it's a conventional rod like this, that you can't put it through the bore to assemble the engine. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that candid rod is much stronger. Well, <laughs> uh, perhaps you've got a bigger bearing uh, and a smaller bore. You see this on a lot of diesels. Right. It's not a new idea. So we designed a rod to go with, with ours, which is this guy. Uh, this is a kind of a billet rod. 
and we designed our own rod bearing. Well, you know, I so, can see one of the immediate differences is just in the actual length of the rod, um, the, the girth right here. Yep. Obviously, we're going to get more durability out of something that has more material. Mm -hmm. What kind of drawbacks do I have to going to a, an aftermarket rod like this? Well, usually, we try to make the design as light as possible. Okay. And we could put these on the scale, uh, but the aftermarket rod, of course, uh, there's a, a, one available for a stock crank. Right. You're wasting your money to do the angle cap yeah. with a stock crank. Unless you've stroked it so far the rod's hitting. We did it for engine durability, where we're really pushing the Duramax design. You know, and I want to push real hard with the super turbo we're doing in our dragster. Also, I need crank durability for, for engines I do for the Navy right. or for marine use. Uh, so that's why we did it. The guys at GM did an even bigger journal. Right. And that's all about, you know, this peaks at 2800 RPM. Okay. They designed for that. There's a thing called bearing surface speed. If you get too, too high, it doesn't lubricate well. That makes and sense. So for racing, I didn't go that big. I cautiously right. kept it to this because I want to turn my racing engine 7500 RPM now. <laughs> We're at 6,300 last time out, so anyhow, this is a powdered metallurgy rod. Uh, some guys have some fear of this. I don't have any fear of it at all. Uh, in fact, it's, for all practical purposes, a forging. Right. The thing is an incredibly strong rod. So they've really done the big pin. Yeah. And I think this would be good up to maybe 5,000, 5,500 RPM momentarily. Once we get these out into the aftermarket yeah. and guys are racing, racing with L5P basis, you're going to see the, these things being buzzed something fierce. You think so? Yeah. These will be the big deal. Huh? Well, these guys finally I won't be I think we'll, uh, we'll, somebody will find the maximum bearing speed. <laughs> <laughs> and spin some bearings. Yeah. So as far as the rest of this, talking about lubrication, yeah. uh, the oil pumps, um, we knew something was up a no number of years ago. We made a pump with wider gears. Okay. Because I needed more piston cooling nozzle, more piston cooling flow, so we didn't melt the pistons. That makes sense. Yeah. And so we had to, we enlarged the nozzles and uh, removed the, uh, uh, they have a check valve in them. We removed those. That also helps maximum flow. So we made a wider gear pump. They've done the same thing. They've done a wider gear pump and the, it's, it, with the camera, you can't see it, but this is about 20% wider than this. I mean, it's significant. Yeah. I mean, you can, in the naked eye, you can see that yeah, there's a easily difference easily see here. it. Okay. The housing and, and, the, and the fluid dynamics in the, in the housing have also been changed. Uh, the pressure regulator hangs straight down into the oil sump. Oh, okay. So, you, you know, we're do, we've done a new lower oil sump, but we had to use their height because that guy is right in the front of the it's engine. It's there, it's mounted, yeah. right. The other part that gives me some hope for high RPM out of this is here's the lifter in all the engines up to LML. Right. 
it weighs about the same as a small block Chevy piston. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a heavy rasco. Let's see that. Yeah. Wow, it is. And here's what they've done on the L5P. Now, well, that's nothing. And here's one of our pro stock racing lifters. So essentially, and they, they, they're rollers and they're guided with this nylon, I assume it's a nylon material, right? guides the rollers so they don't rotate. This is real, real, real proven GM technology. Yeah. You know, the LS engine. I was going to say, that. this has been around for a while yeah. too. Okay. And then this is GM Pro Stock. Uh, so racing. But look what we've got here. My God. <laughs> That's RPM. That's more RPM. Now, right. they're both solid rollers. There's no uh, hydraulic lifter involved here. So quite a change in oil capacity. We're going to do a, a second external oil pump. Okay. Because we're going to increase the oil, piston cooling once again. Uh, and we're looking at steel pistons. But let me tell you what's going on with the pistons. The pistons have changed in that the, this surf, surface right around the combustion bowl right. is kind of lasered. It, in other words, they make it tougher okay. after the piston is cast. And then they machine the piston. So that gives it more thermal capacity. Sure. So it's not going to crack due to heat at... Exactly. As low of a temperature. Yeah. Okay. And are these, this is the stock L5P piston? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can see some differences in it. Um, this is the earlier piston. Of course, this is one of my stroker pistons. But, right. Uh, this this valve release. But this is based on a, a, a different design entirely. Sure. And higher lift uh, valves. The... Uh, Wrist pin is different. Uh, it has a diamond DLC coating on the wrist pin. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, for production engine. It's got some, you know, the coated piston skirts. Yeah, I mean, uh, these are things we used to do to LB7s when exactly. we were first trying to figure exactly. out how to keep those and things there together. there it all is. Yeah. And, of course, they've maintained this cast in, uh, if you will, steel or cast right. iron upper. I, I'm not sure what they're using, but much better. This is our steel piston, uh, and it's also uh, oil-cooled. Okay. But way the hell tougher. <laughs> uh, this is from a design we did years ago with Molly uh, for a marine engine I did for the, for the Navy, a Cummins-based 5.9 marine engine. Okay, yeah. I think yeah. we've talked about that in yeah. the podcast before. And we're, this is machined off the Cummins forging. Really? So it's a little heavy for the Duramax, but we're running a uh, piston life study with them. Okay. And then, and then we'll do a, a forging that's dedicated. So we've kind of covered the interior, the oiling. Uh, the oil cooler on the engine is 20% bigger, nominally. Right. Uh, oil pump's bigger. So they've covered about everything. More piston cooling, more pump to cover it. Uh, Camshaft is not radically different. Right. Uh, it's different in, in that the lobes are different for the smaller radius roller tappet, but that's about it. Yeah. Water pump also much bigger. Uh, it turns a different speed, much bigger impeller in terms of not diameter, but depth. Right. 
So a lot more water flow capacity as well. You make more power, you're rejecting more heat, and you got to have more radiator to handle it. Well, I guess that's what's been so, interesting to me is that general concept about the L5P is they've added about 50 horsepower, 40 mm -hmm. horsepower, whatever they're rating them at, but yet when we add 40 or 50 horsepower to an LML with a Banks tuner, with a Duramax tuner spade, it is. Yeah. We, we're not doing all of these oil adjustments and water pump adjustments exactly. and redoing the pistons exactly. and all of these other intricate details. It makes me think that this platform has a lot of capacity to well, go up. Everything's up like 20% except the horsepower. Right. They're okay. only at 445. <laughs> they, normally they started at 400. So they're up 10, 11, 12%. Right. Headroom. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not informed. I'm just guessing. <laughs> 500 horsepower and 1,000 pound feet will be the price of admission in that diesel pickup truck market in a few years. Oh yeah, I mean we're, you gotta, we're rapidly you going gotta there. You gotta go there. Right. The first one that gets, gets in, they're gonna have bragging rights for about 15 minutes. Well, yeah, exactly. And then everybody yeah. else is kinda yeah, doing it. Cummins, yeah. last time Cummins got beat out by Duramax, they literally just re-released their truck with a, different, with a different tune on it that gave it the HO, you know, the and high output. Ford did that on the 6.7 when yeah. the Duramax got them. Yeah, exact they, same stuff. They had a higher power, in fact, pickuptrucks.com came here Really? And we dynoed, went to the Ford dealer, loaded the new cow, came back, dynoed. They sent the numbers to Ford. They said, they've got a good dyno because <laughs> it, it matches our numbers. Right. So, so uh, this is fun because this is horsepower wars in pickup trucks. And I love pickup trucks. Oh, my God. Who would have thought it. when they first put out a 12 valve with 100 horsepower, or 190 horsepower, or whatever, that we'd ever get to this point where now we're driving... 500 horsepower monsters that look like they have the capacity for what we used to build a motor. Well, with. you look at you look at Cummins. That JI case gave Cummins money to I think they co-developed the 59. Okay. For a farm tractor. And I think it was more like 130 or 135 horsepower. I, I think you're right. I think the original yeah. was, yeah. And there's guys using the later like 67 sonar case, even the 59 sonar case. Uh, and for our marine engines, we did a CGI cylinder case, uh, which is much stronger, you know, silver block. There's guys way up in the thousands of horsepower oh, yeah. with the Cummins. The real Duke out. And I'm, I'm just so happy that Dan Scheid accepted. Uh, we're going to race each other. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think that will draw a crowd. Yeah, I'll Duramax be there. Duramax versus Cummins. I'll be there for he, sure. He, his register is a record holder. And I want to go out and have some fun, hang out with Dan. He's a good guy. And whoever, whoever is the cleverest will probably kick the other guy's ass. <laughs> but I think I can get it kind of close. And the, and the real benefit will be the aftermarket and the enthusiasts. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, like, so, like you said, I it's think I'll have crowd. to tow to Indianapolis to race him the first time. <laughs> but he's agreed to it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a few years ago. We've been doing the L5P development for a few years. Right. And now there are military vehicles uh, delivered to the Marines with a bank's uh, L5P.
Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email paul at duramaxtuner.com or chris at c-e-h-m-k-e at duramaxtuner.com. You can also reach him by phone. Chris's extension is 2121. Paul's is 2122. 